Welcome in to another edition of the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. It is 10.32 on a Monday night, knowing I should have been in bed a long time ago. Had a long day, but uh, yesterday kicked off the NFL season. As if there wasn't enough controversy to get the season started. Yes, there was controversy. Anyone haven't seen the pass interference call on Michael Gallup? At best, that call should have been a no call. Seriously, that should have been a no call. Jalen Ramsey basically sold a flop job. Tonight, Monday Night Football, victorious Roethlisberger is thankful to be back after missing all of last year. Giants, Steelers make social justice statements. Reed calls NFL's use of cap and video diabolical. Hmm. But, let me... Bring you speed. Yesterday was week one of the NFL. So let me give you the final scores. The Seattle Seahawks beat the Falcons 38-25. The Buffalo Bills beat the helpless Jets 27-17. The Chicago Bears... Knocked off the Detroit Lions 27-23. The Packers, in a statement game for Aaron Rodgers, knocked off the Vikings 43-34. And the return of Cam Newton in a uniform that doesn't say Panthers. The Patriots knocked off the Dolphins 21-11. Special note, Cam Newton rushed the ball 15 times. Also completed 15 of 19 passes, 75 rushing yards, two touchdowns rushing. Cam basically was, it's just good to be back. The Washington football team. In the game that the Eagles let get away from them after having a lead. The Washington football team won. 27-17. The Raiders held on to beat the Panthers 34-30. The Jacksonville Jaguars held on to beat the Colts 27-20. And what was said, this was going to be a tank year for the Jaguars. Evidently, the players didn't get the memo. And what can we say about the Browns? And what is there to say about the Browns? Can we say meet the Browns? No, I think there would be an insult to Tyler Perry's meet the Browns. But we know something brown that the Browns play like. They got thrashed by the Baltimore Ravens. 38-6. Makes you wonder why come the owner of the, of the old Cleveland Browns packed his team up and moved to Baltimore. The Cincinnati 
Bengals fall to the LA Chargers 16-13. And the game in which we saw Brady throw a pick six. The Saints beat the Buccaneers 34-23. And the Arizona Cardinals knocked off the 49ers on their home turf 24-20. The late night game saw the Rams knock off the Dallas Cowboys. As for the night's game, as we noted earlier, the Steelers beat the Giants 26-16. And right now with 51 seconds to go in the second quarter, going into halftime, the Titans and Broncos are all knotted up 7-7. So, NFL's mask warning was directed at me, says Sean McVay. So let's get into this story. Los Angeles Rams coach Sean McVay, NFL's mask warning directed at me. Los Angeles Rams coach Sean McVay says he's likely responsible for the NFL memo sent Monday to reinforce that coaches must wear face coverings at all times on the sidelines during games and threatening discipline for those who don't comply. I figured that memo was directed at me, McVay said, Monday evening during a video conference with reporters. During a season-opening victory over the Dallas Cowboys in front of a Sunday night football television audience, McVay roamed the sideline with his mask mostly worn under his chin, a clear violation of the league's coronavirus safety protocol. I've been getting blasted all day about it, so I just love it, McVay said, a bit tongue-in-cheek. Before continuing in a more serious tone, I will do better. In contrast to McVay, Cowboys coach Mike McCarthy, when shown on the NBC broadcast, appeared to wear his mask throughout two-hour, 56-minute game. McVay said he's uncertain if he'll stick with a face mask or potentially wear a neck gaiter when the Rams play the Eagles in Philadelphia on Sunday. A face shield like the one Kansas City coach Andy Reid wore in the Chiefs opener in which fogged up seems to be a non-starter for McVay. I was definitely one of the main culprits of not following what the league wants, McVay said. I would definitely be aware of that and do better. The league's coronavirus safety protocol says that anyone with bench area access, including players, must wear masks on game day and that the mask must fit securely across the nose and mouth to prevent transmission of COVID-19. So, Sean McVay, wear your mask. Wear your mask. Stop the spread of the virus. Wear your mask. You know better. That's one of those sayings growing up as a kid. When you did something that you didn't have no business doing and you got caught by your parents, the first thing they say is you know better. So Sean McVeigh, you got caught and you know better. So now that you know better, you need to do better. Wear your mask. We so Bruce Arians is surprised by Brady's week one struggles. 
Arian calls Bruce Brady struggles versus Saints unusual. I'm a Verizon. He looked like Tom Brady in practice all the time, so it's kind of uh, unusual to see that in the ball game because they didn't do the things that we didn't get ready for. We everything they did, we were we thought we were ready for. Uh, we got some wide receivers have to do a better job of winning one on one. Um, but he decides to go their way. And, uh, you know, there's, he put us in the right run checks a couple of times. So it was all, it was, it was a learning experience that way. Um, you know, can't say that we were out of sync because we started out as good as you can start out going right down the field, you know, then we don't get any more chunk plays other than pass interference penalties. And, uh, you know, so yeah, I think it's a great learning experience. It's just round one of a, of a 16 round fight and, uh, and we'll, we'll learn from it. And those were comments from Bruce Arians in regards to Brady's struggle and the team's struggle. So Tampa Bay Buccaneers coach Bruce Arians said Monday that he was a bit surprised by quarterback Tom Brady's struggles in his Bucks debut Sunday against the New Orleans Saints, a game in which Brady threw two interceptions in a 34-23 loss. He said he looked like Tom Brady in practice all the time, so it's kind of unusual to see that in a ball game because they didn't do things that we didn't get ready for. Everything they did, we thought we were ready for. Aaron said, some wide receivers have to do a better job of winning one-on-one when he decides to go their way. He put us in the right run checks a couple of times. It was a learning experience that way. You can't say that we weren't in sync because we started out as good as you can start out going right down the field, he added. Then we don't get any more chunk plays other than passing interference penalties. I think it's a great learning experience. It's just round one of a 16-round fight, and we'll learn from it. I like the fight analogy that he uses. The Bucks marched 85 yards and nine plays on the opening drive, with Brady scoring on a two-yard QB keeper to grab a 7-0 lead. But they couldn't hang on to that momentum. Pro Bowl wide receiver Mike Evans shadowed by Marshawn Lattimore and had a safety over the top of him through much of the game. He was targeted just four times on 37 routes, including one play that resulted in an interception. Arian said after the game that the pick was the result of an overthrown pass against cover two, but Monday after watching the film, he clarified that Evans should have no doubt kept the route going as it was against quarters coverage which opened up the middle of the field. Brady's second pick came when he attempted to hit Justin Watson as he and Rob Gronkowski each ran speed outs from the right side of the formation while Chris Godwin ran a slant route toward the middle of the field. Janoris Jenkins jumped in front and returned to 36 yards for a touchdown. It speaks for itself. If you're throwing an out route and you throw it low and inside, that hasn't been the case up until that one, Arian said of the pick six. He was a little bit late on it and probably a better decision to go somewhere else with the ball. Evans, one of only two receivers with six consecutive 1,000-yard seasons in his first six years, managed just one catch, a fourth-quarter touchdown. Gronkowski, Brady's go-to target with the New England Patriots, caught just two passes, on three targets for 11 receiving yards. Instead, Brady relied heavily on Godwin, who caught six of seven targets for 79 receiving yards, and Scotty Miller, who went five of six for 73 yards. 
Brady acknowledged this week that he was still thinking too much in Arians' offense, but said he was eager to test himself against a real opponent in the absence of preseason games. It's a situation where all that verbiage when you're under the gun is different, and now you're getting hit for the first time too. It's all different, Arians said, adding that he believes Brady will regroup against the Carolina Panthers at home this week. He's had it before. He knows how to bounce back, Arians said. He knew he didn't play very well. It's not what he expects from himself, nor do we expect. I would anticipate him to have a little more grit, a little more determination this week. Arians also expressed disappointment in starting left tackle with Donovan Smith, who surrendered two sacks and posted a 73.9 pass block win rate, 129th in the league among offensive linemen in week one and 54th among 58 offensive tackles. I was very disappointed in his play, Arians said. I think every now and then he reverts back to some techniques that aren't very good and he got beat. He had probably the easiest guy to block up there, and he did a poor job. It was one of his worst games, and I expect for him to bounce back this week. Yes. So there you have Bruce Arians' thoughts on not just Brady, but some other key players and the team as a whole. Stay tuned. I will be back with some more. Following this word from my sponsor. Down to the left. Newton takes the snap. He's going to run it to the right. Puts it upfield. And he waltzes into the end zone. Touchdown, Patriots. Run it to the 10. Outside to the 5. Newton to the pylon. Touchdown, Patriots! His second in his New England debut. That's a man right there, boy. Woo! Well, we saw this a couple years ago. Jacoby just set up some of those keepers around him. It's a way to smell the goal line and get in and lower your shoulder. And that was audio from New England Patriots. And as I stated earlier, that Cam Newton had a stat line. Yes, he had some passing yards, but the one that sticks out, 15 rushes, 75 yards, two rushing TDs. And a lot has been made of that. And we know that's Cam Newton's game. And Josh McDaniels was smart enough to game plan around Cam Newton's strength. Uh, the question is, Cam is 31 years old. And I've listened to some of the talk shows today, here and there. And some were saying, you know, the Cam they seen today, they'll take that today. They'll take what they saw from Cam. Can he sustain that? I don't think your quarterback was designed for that. But then again, the best quote I heard in reference to Cam Newton was this right here. Cam Newton is not a quarterback. He's a baller that plays the quarterback position. Cam Newton is not your typical quarterback either. Cam Newton stands about 6'4", six, 6'5", six, weighs about 250. Uh, as far as the sustainability, 
some have compared him to, as far as his work ethic and taking care of his body, to that of LeBron James. Of course, now LeBron James, you know, is not playing near the physical sport that Cam Newton is playing and taking the beating that he's taking. But you look at LeBron James at 35, you look at Cam Newton at 31, and, you know, Cam hasn't played the game almost at least a good year, if not two. So to see that out of him, it's just one game. Not saying that he's going to do that every game. Next week, they'll have a game plan. And if you look at their game <clears throat> from yesterday, first of all, they're playing Miami. New England basically took what Miami gave them. And it just so happened Cam rushed 15 times, 75 yards, and two rushing touchdowns. There's a story that's gathering up a little bit of steam. It has something to do with a video. Eric Reed calls NFL's use of Colin Kaepernick in social justice video diabolical. Eric Reed on Monday called the NFL's social justice campaign this season half-hearted at best and league's use of video of Colin Kaepernick kneeling while the quarterback remains unsigned diabolical. The free agent safety tweeted that Commissioner Roger Goodell has gotten comfortable saying he was wrong not to listen to the players about social injustice as if his mere acknowledgement reconciles his admitted wrongdoing. He hasn't even called Colin to apologize, let alone reconcile, proving this is only PR for the current business climate. Reed added that Goodell uses video of Colin courageously kneeling to legitimize their disingenuous PR while simultaneously perpetrating systemic oppression that the video he's using fights against by continuing to rob Colin of his career is diabolical. Reed's tweets came a day after Kaepernick called out the NFL's campaign. While the NFL runs propaganda about how they care about black life, they are still actively blackballing Eric Reed for fighting for the black community, tweeted Kaepernick, the former San Francisco 49er quarterback, who has been out of the NFL since 2016. Eric set two franchise records last year and is one of the best defensive players in the league. Reed and Kaepernick were included in a video played at each stadium Sunday that featured the song Lift Every Voice and Sing, which was performed by Alicia Keys. Kaepernick first brought attention to social and racial injustice and police brutality in 2016 when he started kneeling during the anthem. Reed was the first player to join Kaepernick's protest by kneeling during the national anthem in 2016 when both played for the 49ers. The two filed a grievance against the NFL and its owners saying they colluded to prevent their employment because of their protests. The sides reached a settlement in February 2019. On Sunday, seven teams remained in their locker rooms during the playing of the national anthem. 
Elsewhere, many players and some coaches kneeled, sat on the bench, and or raised their fists when on the field for the anthem. The Carolina Panthers released Reed 28 in March after he had career had set career best with 130 tackles, 97 solo, and four sacks during the 2019 season. So there you have the story on Eric Reed and his thought on the video. And he says, hey, commission, you still got a ways to go. There's still some things you have to do. He said, you have to make this more than just a PR stunt. There's some things you have to do to make things right. So we will follow this story as it unfolds. So I hope you're enjoying the podcast thus far. Uh, I want to say thanks to some fellow podcasters that have reached out to me. And I look forward in the future to collaborating with them and joining them on their shows as well, as well as them joining me on my show. It's always great to have fellow podcasters. So... When we get that set up, I will definitely keep you in the loop as to when you can start hearing more interaction besides just myself on my podcast. And, you know, likewise, being on somebody else's is to me, it's an honor that these guys take time out of their busy schedule to even message me. So I'm very appreciative of that because that's how we grow. And, you you know, the one thing I want to say, kind of deviating a little bit from sports talk a little bit, but. You know, just, you know, looking at the whole climate of things that we are going through right now, how different things are. I mean, even in the sports scene, you're playing games and with no fans in the stands. But we're, we're trying to create a sense of unity amongst people. Whether they're red, yellow, black, white, Jew, Protestant, Baptist, whatever you may be, or you may even be a non-believer. But what we're trying to do is create unity. Like the fellow podcasters that reach out to me, you know, give me their uh, feedback, how they think I'm doing. And, you know, because it seems like there is togetherness in the podcast community. So I want to just throw this out and I'll get back into some sports talk. How can we create togetherness amongst people in everyday life? Seem like my fellow podcasters on Anchor and what other platforms they're using seem like they get the concept. What can we do to spread that concept? Togetherness amongst people, regardless of your ethnic background. Stop and think about it. When they open up and let fans in the stands, you're going to see fans of of all backgrounds, nationalities, race, creed, and colors. And during that moment of however long that football game is, it's like those issues don't even matter because they're there to cheer for their favorite team. Can we do this? Hopefully, if things go well, because I just got message Friday, those of you here in the Kansas area and probably beyond, I'm looking forward to having on my show uh, 
former Wichita State basketball women's player, toured with the Harlem Globetrotters. And I, and I really don't want to say this, but I'm going to have to say this. But, uh, you know, the Globetrotters have allowed women to play, but the Harlem Globetrotters was pretty much an all-black organization. And my friend Hannah Martimore, hope I pronounced that last name right, Caucasian female, very talented, very humble, a woman of faith. She just messaged me saying Friday will work perfect for her. So I look forward to having her on my show. She's a very interesting person. She's very, like I said, she's very humble. I've even had the chance to work out with her a few times at Vasa Fitness Center. Uh, played on the same basketball court with her because she was a late nighter and so was I. If I didn't have to go to work the next day. So she w- took the time out to let me try to shadow her because she has a very, very demanding work ethic. I mean, to see her working out is it's like poetry in motion, but very intense. So look forward to having her on the show Friday. And hopefully I can line up some more people between now and Friday. But Hannah, I'm looking forward to having you on the show. Thanks for giving me your word. I appreciate it. So what I'm going to do right here, I'm going to pause and slip in another word from my sponsor. And when I come back, yes, I'm burning the midnight oil. I will bring you up to date as to what's going on in the NFL with the latest Monday night game. Okay, welcome back. And one of the best quotes I've heard today was that Baker Mayfield is the third best quarterback in the state of Ohio. And then trust me, to have that put out, that was not a compliment. Baker Mayfield, the third best quarterback in the state of Ohio. So who's ranked number one? That would be Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, then you're probably saying, who would be number two? That's where this gets interesting because the number two quarterback in the state of Ohio is not even playing this season. That would be Justin Fields of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Ouch. Baker, how can you be the third best quarterback and the number two quarterback isn't even playing? Who remembers the song? I'm Slim Shady. Yes, I'm Slim Shady. Real, the real Slim Shady. Please stand up. Will the real Baker Mayfield please stand up? Baker does not know who he, who, what is Baker's identity in the NFL? What is his identity? When he bust on the scene, when he took the starting position, in his rookie season, there was a lot of hype concerning him and the team as a whole. They went out and got him some weapons, brought in Odell Beckham, who, by the way, seemed like Odell Beckham has played Houdini and has disappeared as well, too. But it was all about the weapons and forgot who the other receiver they brought in, too. So he's supposed to have two weapons. You got Nick Chubb as a running back. Uh, the defense is centered around Miles Garrett, but... 
Something has happened to Baker Mayfield. And I can't quite pinpoint. Well, let's eliminate this. First of all, Baker Mayfield is not a, a Kyler Murray. And he's not a Russell Wilson. Hello, Baker. Let me also say you're not playing against the Kansas Jayhawks either. You're not in the Big 12. You're in the big leagues. You're in the NFL. So if you're stuck on your past accomplishments, keep being stuck on your past accomplishment because after this season, you might not have nothing left to accomplish. Welcome to the Arena Football League. I don't think it would get that bad, but if I'm Drew Brees, I mean, not Drew Brees, but I'm going to mention Drew Brees. If I'm Baker Mayfield, if there's someone you want to pattern your game after, pattern after a Drew Brees. Because you're not as quick as a Russell Wilson. You're definitely nowhere near Kyler Murray. So study Drew Brees' game tape. Because that's who you're more apt to be like than a Murray or a Russell Wilson. I mean, the game that that Cleveland played yesterday, Baker looked so lost. He, he, He looked so lost. If you painted a red bullseye, he still wouldn't have been able to find it. That's how lost he looked. And why weren't the Cleveland Browns running more play action? It should have been more play action ran than what they did. This is like the third coach in four years for that organization. I don't know what's going to take to change their culture. But it's going to have to be a lot of retooling, a lot of mental. So I'm 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 gonna say it like this. I'm a reference basketball. I'm a reference Wichita State basketball. You know, Greg Marshall, head coach of Wichita State Sharkers. They they went through a rough season last year. Uh and I can say this now because I know what's going on. You you had a team full of puppies and one wanted to be the big dog. But there was a point where Greg said he has lost his team. He can't get through to them. But Greg has also said, you know, sometimes not only do you have to be the coach, sometimes you also have to be the philosopher. Sometimes you also have to be the psychologist. Uh, Maybe they need a coach that knows a little bit about psychology and get into the psyche of these players and figure out what's going on and try to get them to click on all cylinders. Because Odell Beckham, when he's on top of his game, he is one of, I'll go out on a limb and say he's easily one of the top five receivers in the league. Minimum top 10, but definitely top five. There used to be a saying, if you want your career to die, go to the, well, now they're known as the Las Vegas Raiders. So I'll say the Raiders organization. But now, the way I see things, it very well could be that Cleveland is a place you go where your career dies. Because quite honestly, looking at that situation, it looks like a dumpster fire. I know it's only one game and maybe they can 
learn from that one game. But if yesterday is any indication of things to come, new coach, erratic play like that, it could be for a long season. Matter of fact, if I'm the Cleveland Browns, I'm trying to get the ball out of Baker's hand as much as possible. You better turn around and hand that ball off to Nick Chubb and let him do his thing. Because Nick Chubb is showing that he's capable of being a bell cow back. Obviously, ride him until Baker figures it out. Will that mess with the ego of your receiving core? It probably will, especially knowing Odell Beckham. But you got to get something going. Sometimes you have to make your offense your defense. Because if your offense is doing a lot of three and outs and turnovers, that means your defense is on the field more than what it should. And I don't care if you have Miles Garrett out there or not. The defense can only take so much and can only stay out on the field for so long before they start getting worn out. Why don't you let Nick, Nick Chubb be your Derrick Henry? Try it for a game or two and see if it works. If it works, it just may open up the passing game and give Baker time he needs to find his receivers and develop some accuracy because his accuracy, the way his accuracy is, it's been years since I've thrown the football. I could probably hit Odell Beckham in stride. Give you an update with 14 minutes and 17 seconds to go in the third quarter. Denver and Tennessee is still nied up at seven apiece. However, in this game, I cannot believe what I am seeing, okay? This is something I've never heard of. Titans linebacker Rashawn Evans ejected for punching Broncos tight end Jake Butt. Oh, yes, I've heard that before. Titans inside linebacker Rashawn Evans was ejected in the first quarter of Tennessee's game against the Denver Broncos on Monday night. Evans received a disqualification for punching Denver tight end Jake Butt in the head after a play. The third-year linebacker is one of the Titans defenders who wears the green dot and calls the plays in the huddle. The host Broncos scored a touchdown two plays later when quarterback Drew Locke found tight end Noah Font for a nine-yard touchdown. So that's an update on that game, player ejection. Fresh off win, Roethlisberger just so excited to be leading Pittsburgh Steelers yet again. If Ben Roethlisberger had any jitters one night, the veterans shook them off in time for a vintage performance in Pittsburgh Steelers' 26-16 victory against the New York Giants. Playing for the first time in a year since a season-ending elbow injury sustained in Week 2 of 2019, Roethlisberger completed 21 of 32 passes for 20, 229 yards and three touchdowns and an 11-yard keeper for a first down. There obviously were a little bit of jitters. I was excited and nervous to be out there, Roethlisberger said. I just wanted to, wanted to not let my guys down. That was the biggest thing. Roethlisberger looked 
most like his old self in an abbreviated two-minute drill just before halftime, leading the Steelers on an eight-play, 78-yard drive capped with touchdown throw to James Washington for the third-year wide receiver muscled his way into the end zone for the score. Us being out there right before half, having two minutes to go, down two out down out points on the board, it was like, okay, that is the being we know, Juju Smith Schuster said. Being able to go down and have those points on the board on that drive, that is what we do. Just before that drive, Roethlisberger stood on the sideline between drives and with the jacket transformed into a wrap for his surgically repaired elbow to keep him loose and warm. Roethlisberger admitted afterward he might feel some pain Tuesday following the game, but that there was nothing serious wrong with his knee, which he briefly grabbed after his 11-yard run in the second quarter, or his elbow. I probably just grabbed my knee because I was moving so fast, but I feel great right now, Roethlisberger said. Obviously, adrenaline's still pumping, and we won the game. I'm going to be sore tomorrow and might have some bumps and bruises, but in terms of elbow and everything else, I feel really good right now. With his third scoring pass of the night and second to Smith-Schuster, Roethlisberger notched his 366 career touchdown setting a franchise record and tying Eli Manning for eighth most in NFL history. I'm just so excited. I'm just thankful, Roethlisberger told ESPN's Maria Taylor in his post-game interview. I told the guys in the locker room before the game that I'm back because of them. And with a defense that I think is as good as any I have ever played with, skilled guys that are young and fun to play with, and then, of course, my line, who I love to death, and they love me. They are the reason I came back to play. It wasn't the most auspicious start for Roethlisberger, 38, when he threw a lateral to running back James Conner under pressure for no gain, ending his first series back after three plays. But Roethlisberger slowly got into a rhythm, finding for an 11-yard gain on the next series, that gave the quarterback and his offense a little life as he went on to connect with rookie Chase Claypool on the 28-yard toe-tapping reception to convert a third and long. The Steelers had to settle for a field goal on that drive, but a quarter later, Roethlisberger found the end zone when he hit Smith-Schuster for a 10-yard touchdown capitalizing on T.J. Watts' interception of Daniel Jones in Giants territory. <laughs> They're unbelievable, Roethlisberger said of his defense. Unfortunately, I have to face it every day in practice. They are one of the best defenses I've played with, and I've played with some really good ones. I'm excited to be on the field with them, and what they do is, as a quarterback, Okay, here we go. He says, I'm excited to be on the football field with them. And what they do is, as a quarterback, they allow me to play more free. Because if you 
do make a mistake, you can count on them to bail you out a bit. They did it tonight, creating turnovers, big stops. After a scoreless third quarter, Roethlisberger got his team on the board yet again with a field goal drive followed by a time-consuming 11-play, 75-yard drive finished with Smith-Schuster's second touchdown to seal the victory in his return. I'm excited we won the game. I'll tell you that, Roethlisberger said. It's not about me individually. The reason I came for is for these guys and this team. It's a special group of football players and men, and I'm just thankful to be a part of it. The veteran quarterback did it with a new-look offensive line, including an entirely different right side than the one he previously played behind. Zach Banner won the right tackle job out of training camp, while Stephen Wisnowski replaced the injured David DeCastro at right guard. But both left late in the fourth quarter with a knee injury, and pectoral injury, respectively. The Steelers also finished the game without Connor, who suffered a sprained ankle that will be examined Tuesday, a source told ESPN's Adam Schefter. Pittsburgh is, in the words of the source, optimistic for a timely return. We had a number of guys who got injured in the game and are being evaluated. Coach Mike Tomlin said afterward, Zach Banner went down with a knee injury, with a knee late, he is being evaluated right now. Wisnowski had a peck. James Conner had an ankle. And I don't know what the status of all those guys are. Obviously, we are working on a short week, so we better be ready to close ranks. So there you have it. Pittsburgh State is picking up the win tonight, 26-16 over the New York Giants. Anybody listen to this podcast, if you notice, I said the New York Giants. Why do you have to say the New York football Giants when the only other Giants that's playing a professional sport are the San Francisco Giants and they play baseball? How can you confuse the two? So that's my little rant for tonight. I call them the New York Giants. I do not have to say New York football Giants. Because we know they are a football team. So, I just simply say the New York Giants. Anyway. You've been listening to another episode of A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with yours truly, Anthony Smith. Once again, I want to thank those in the podcast community for reaching out to me. Uh, Dad Bob Sports. Uh Untitled College Football. I believe that's the podcast. Looking forward to doing shows with these guys and looking forward to having them on my show as well. But until the next time, and I will have the updates of all games to lead in, and then we will talk about what's going on in the NBA bubble tomorrow as time will permit and any other thing that you want to talk about or want me to talk about. Anyway, once again, sign off. This is A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. I am your engineer, the producer, Anthony Smith. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other. God bless.